Folks, our first on-demand workshop, How to Become a Coffee Consultant, is now available for you to learn at your own pace for just 50 euros, and it comes with a certificate upon completion. Go to mapperforward.coffee forward slash workshops or click the link in the show notes for more details. Support this podcast by supporting our sponsors. Welcome to the Daily Coffee Pro by Mapper Forward, friends. I'm your host, Lee Safar, and this is episode two of our five-part se- series on the ecology of coffee production. Um, Specifically, we're talking about microbes and their relationship to the ecology. And so again, I'm joined by Andres Felipe Ospina. Andres Felipe, in this episode, we're going to start looking at answering the question, are koji and wine yeast invasive or or do they put any danger on the environment? So why don't we start by talking about what koji is and what wine yeast is as well? Okay. Well, koji basically is um, mold. Mm-hmm. It's called Aspilus oisea. Um, it's broadly used in Japan. As we were talking before, I live in Japan. It's something that we use kind of in daily base almost in Japan to do some of our healthy foods. Mm-hmm. It's a mold that is not um, dangerous, danger to human health and is able to do some transformations in our food and helping us to have very delicious uh, products. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's one of those kind of miracles in, in, in the Japanese cuisine that from my perspective is the most beautiful cuisine in the world. Um, it's also used in China um, for long, for many, many centuries. Um, basically it, it ferments food in a different way that uh, yeast, for example, will do. So what it does, it is, um, it, it's going to transform some of the proteins and it's going to transform some of the uh, carbohydrates that are present in uh, usually starch form. And it's going to be able to produce some amino acids and so on. And there are, as we know, are precursors of, of uh, flavors that later on can um, with the mylar reaction, produce something that comes very beautifully. And um, the other one is the yeast, the wine yeast, usually um, Saccharomyces cerevisiae. Uh, Saccharomyces cerevisiae is one of these ultra heroes in human history and industry uh, for the processes of food, but also in science. Mm-hmm. I mean, Saccharomyces they help us uh, to understand a lot of things, help us to have huge evolution in biotechnology. Um, it helps in medicine, it helps in, in many issues. And it does because it's a cell that is very similar to our cells. And um, because of that, we can uh, do a lot of genetical things with this uh, particular ease to, with outcomes that are very easy for us to understand. Uh, so it's, it's, it's used broadly in many things. And in terms of fermentation, well, we use it for wines, we use it in, for beers, we use it for bread. Also, it's called the bread yeast, you know. So mm-hmm. it is used. So those are the two types that you are telling me about. And mm-hmm. I hope people can understand what they are. You did great. And, and so just very quickly, what is fermentation for those who don't know? So fermentation is basically the way in which some of microbes uh, feed themselves. Mm-hmm. Let's say is the way in which microbes uh, 
take sugars mostly and are going to break those sugars apart and they are going to obtain energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's similar to what happened to us when we do respiration. So when we inhale oxygen, it will go to our cells and it's going to help us to break down sugars to produce energy. The thing in fermentation is they don't use uh, oxygen, but in respiration, we use oxygen. So there are, let's say, two types of cellular uh, feeding. And fermentation is the way in which a lot of microbes feed. Okay. So when we talk about microbes, in the last episode, we, we talked about what ecology was. It's the, the environment around something and a way, the way all the living things in that environment interact with each other. When you talk, when we talk about microbes, when we talk about yeast and mold and bacteria, they're native to certain ecosystems. In we talked about um, the idea of exploring this question whether koji and wine yeast are invasive. So, what does it mean when something is an invasive species to an ecosystem? Okay, so the term invasive is very, as the word it says, but it's a terminal term that we in ecology have adopted to describe, uh, let's say, when we put a non-native organism into another ecosystem, and when we put it there, it's going to be able to grow into the infinite, Mm -hmm. and it's going to take the resources that local uh, organisms are, are using or have used and when these invasive microbes take those resources then it's going to affect the whole composition of the ecosystem and it has the potential to become one of the most important species in that new ecosystem so it will transform the ecosystem and through that transformation a lot of local uh, species could die. So, yeah, that's an invasive uh, being. It's just right. one that can over the resources in one particular ecosystem. So if we were looking at animals, um, you could imagine if you took, uh, let's say, a, a more dominant species and introduced it into an ecosystem that it wasn't native to, let's say we took a hog and we introduced it into a species where there were no hogs and it started to feed off some of the other animals that existed in that species, it disrupts the ecosystem by invading that ecosystem and eating some of the less. And, and let's say it will, it will not have another species control it. Right. Okay? Because it has no natural predators, for example, there. That, okay. that could be one example. Another example could be plants. Mm-hmm. Plants, you know, they have their, their competition. They have the way to control each other. But we have seen a lot of plants that have become a problem in many places. For example, we can see some passifloras or uh, passion fruits mm-hmm. uh, that make their way to Hawaii. And then suddenly they grow without control and they change the whole ecosystem bringing some local species to extinction. So mm. that, that can happen anywhere in the world with plants, animals, and of course it can happen with microbes. So now, there is no way to control them really. Now we're seeing... Or, go ahead, sorry. 
No, and, and also some other invasive species. For example, we, we can talk about the bull frog. Is uh -huh. a frog that in Brazil that was brought to other places for us to grow and feed from it and make the new chicken kind of stuff. Uh -huh. And it ate to nature and it started to eat everything uh, that he encountered with. And local animals just didn't know how to deal with it and it reproduced so fast and it, it invaded a lot of uh, places in South America causing a lot of ecological problems and the extinction of some local species. So I guess you could look at coffee leaf rust as having the same kind of impact on coffee trees, right? It's as it moves to different species it and it invades, it starts to have a, a it's a microbe that has uh, an invasive impact on the ecosystem by destroying or at least throttling the 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 growth of coffee trees right yes i mean and, and when you see that that's something that happens all the time and it's very mm -hmm. well known by already uh, as a matter of fact um, is one of the three most important reasons for extinction in our planet mm -hmm. so we have three main for extinction one is deforestation when we are losing the habitat that we in coffee already have uh, contributed to that a lot. Um, but then we have another one, which is over harvesting, over fishing and so on, where we humans come into exploding natural resources and just uh, using them as until there is no, no fish more to catch or things like that. That's another reason for extinction. And the other one that is more global is the other two are more localized are the introduction of uh, invasive species, usually as a part of a commercial activity of humans. So um, this is one um, of the three most serious uh, ones causing extinction in the world. And, and we are seeing that, uh, uh, that we are losing a lot of species due to these invasive ones. So yeah. in, in terms of, it, it can happen, for example, with microbes as well. But the thing is, we haven't really researched into microbes right now because okay. tropical microbiology is just starting as a new science, let's say. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. And in coffee, we have seen an explosion of the idea of fermentation over the past, let's say, half a decade. It's coming probably close and come coming closer to a decade where we are starting to see consumers really lean into these uh, specialty coffees that have very uh, intricate fermentation processes that uh, producers are using to get ahead of the trend and be able to call it something different. But in order to do those fermentation processes, the number one element of that is not the tank and it's not the water, but it's the microbes. And the microbes are what are the uh, piece de resistance of that whole process. And so when we talk about something like koji or the different wine yeasts that are being introduced into coffee fermentation, do they have the potential to be invasive? Okay. they. I think by definition they are invasive. Because what? Let's take a look what is what has happened through history. Through history, mm -hmm. we have isolated those uh, species or those um, yeast and in the case of koji molds um, 
to make them the perfect killer, let's say like something mm -hmm. like that. So when you add Koji to something, it has the capacity to overtake whatever it is. Let's say we are doing soybeans to create, to do, to do miso, mm -hmm. something that we always do. Yeah, in Japan, kids will come, everybody will come with the Koji and we will prepare the uh, soybeans and smash them, cook them, and then we put koji and then we do our miso. So koji is going to spread into the miso and it's not going to let other ones to grow. Mm -hmm. Of course, there could be some contamination because some other local microbes could be as aggressive as koji and will pollute the koji fermentation. But mm -hmm. when we are talking about microbes that are not as aggressive as koji, then koji is going to overtake the substract and is going to not allow other ones to grow. So, for example, in the case of koji, we will see in coffee, when we are doing naturals with koji, they have the tendency to not have a lot of acetic acid, for example. Mm -hmm. Why? Because acetic bacteria won't be able to grow into the place where koji has already colonized. Because so, it's more dominant. Exactly. In the case of uh, wine yeast, is the same. We uh, have worked very hard to get them to be perfect killers. So when you put them into uh, any bath for fermentation, they basically will kill any other microbes that are there to produce one precise flavor. That's why, for example, we have beer A, always tasting like beer A, but if you use another strain of, of the same yeast wine, then it, beer B will taste always like beer B. So those different strains of the same yeast, or that they are kind of very related, have the capacity to an, an, annihilate the other ones that are there and always produce the same flavor. And it's kind of the same with koji. Mm -hmm. So we have actually purified them to be strong enough to be able to kill anything else within the fermentation tank. And in the case of coffee, that becomes a very big problem for ecology because usually what we do is we don't do coffee in the same um, facilities that we do wine or we do miso. Usually miso or wine are done in factories and in environments. And they are in a controlled environment where they are not going to escape. And if they escape anyways, they are kind of native to those places. Mm. But in the case of coffee, when we use them, we use them uh, in the free air, in, in, in farms that are next to a forest, that are next to right. a river, you know, that are next to other, uh, other harvest. Yep. And the wind will come and the spores will flow, blow away and they will are going to come down somewhere in the forest and start to feed from the substrate that they right. find out. And that's when we can create like a tremendous pandemic with this because they are very invasive. Just, Let's... just another term ecologically talking about, for example, why, why this happens. Okay. This happened because many of these microbes come from subtropical lands. In subtropical lands, during millions of years, weather conditions change. And it brings those microbes to come to a very cold winter. When mm -hmm. they come to cold winter, they encapsulate, they form kind of eggs. Mm -hmm. And then in spring, they will hatch and they will rush to eat everything in their place. And they have very big competition between them. But in contrary to those subtropical lands, in tropical lands, we have very stable climate for millions of years. And that has made 
that in tropical lands, we have hyper-diverse ecosystems when we have co-aid relationship between different species. So they aid each other, they help each other in different ways, they support each other, you know? So the interaction is not about um, how do we kill the other one, but it's about how we grow together and make something more diverse. So they are kind of friendly yeah. lads, you know what I mean? So yeah, when totally. these ones with this way that they can kill them, they have all the weapons, humans have purified them for many years to keep, be able to kill the others. Well, the tropical microbes, they just don't know what to do. And if I'm next to where someone is doing koji or something like that, more surely I'm going to get killed. Okay. You know? Yeah. That's kind of the idea. It. We it's put it in terms, yeah. <laughs> no, no, you've done perfect because you've set us up for the next episode where we're going to explore um, what the negative impacts of koji is. And, folks, this was the thing in Andres Felipe's uh the, the workshop, it wasn't a workshop, it was a presentation, but they, this was the part of the presentation that sort of took everybody's breath away in the room when he helped us understand what was happening with Koji. So join us for the next episode and we are going to talk uh, very intently about the impact of Koji, uh, the negative impact of Koji on coffee production and the ecosystems associated with that coffee production. So we'll see you in the next episode. Peace, love, and peanut butter, everybody. Have an amazing rest of your day. Thanks for tuning in, friends. There are two ways you can support this podcast. Firstly, become a paid member of our YouTube channel. Secondly, you can join our Patreon for as little as $3 a month. Both have options for exclusive ad-free content and early release content. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. The Daily Coffee Pro is produced by Map It Forward and the music you're listening to is called Run 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 off of my album Laundry After Midnight. To get older episodes of this podcast, as well as more information on Map It Forward, head to mapitforward.coffee. You can find links and more information in the show notes below.